Welcome back to first season finale. Uh, we are in Brooklyn as usual, December 20th, uh, recording um, after we recorded our uh, Christmas episode, which uh, has left us a little exhausted about Christmas, so we are vowing not to do that again. Instead, we are excited to do the Star Trek, The Next Generation. Um, Erica to my right, Adam to my left. Um, let's start with... Uh, we haven't done a sci-fi show. Well, yeah, Red, we did Red, Red Dwarf. Dwarf but, uh, let's, that didn't really count. Yeah. Let's keep I mean, bashing it every it did, chance we get. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is also from 1998, which was when, we, when the Wonder Years episode was, right, Erica? Yes, this is from May of 1998. And... Um, it went on for like seven more series. Yeah, and of course this is the this is the second of the Star Treks for more to come. I can remember when this was coming out how excited everyone was. Oh really? Do you uh, remember yeah. that? Yeah, it's like uh, it was it was big to do. I mean, Star Trek was coming back to TV, and you know the whole family sat down to watch the first episode. I remember, and I can vaguely remember like. Really being, I, re- I really like Data for some reason. Yeah. Even though yeah. Like, I think he's such a good character, but he's, he's a like great character. So great actor too. On paper, it's kind of boring, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. the character is awesome. Well, they write really well for him. They give him a lot of really good plot lines, and and they give him the most uh, like character, like the most emotional characteristics for you to, because he's struggling with being a. Android or whatnot. So like you feel, you, yeah, you're like, oh, I know what it's like to want to be a better human type of thing. <laughs> I think one of my first crushes was John Luke Picard. Yeah. Sexy man. Sexy man. Yes, he is. He's quite the uh, man of man of New York these days. Mm-hmm. Him and uh, Ian McKellen are like do, did that Broadway show. Oh yeah, yeah. They went all around town. He lives, he lives in, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights. Have you seen him? I have not seen him. Where? Around, because when my sister lived in Brooklyn Heights, I saw him once. Oh. Yeah, he got married last year uh, to this young lady, a waitress in Park Slope or something. Just because how old would he be during this? Because when it came out, I thought he was ancient. I know. And, and he has stayed the same age. Stayed the same age. <laughs> it's very strange. He hasn't for, aged at all. Oh, quite some time now. Yeah. I think that's one reason we like him so much. Uh, he doesn't change much. Is that twenty something years? Yeah, he's been he's been forty five for twenty years now. <laughs> Way to be. I was at I was at BAM last night, and uh, if you get there too early, which is what happened to me and Lucia, you have to go like they do this, try to have fun, and like give you this trivia thing. And the question was. Which one of these actors was not born in Brooklyn? And there were four answers. One of them was Patrick Stewart. The other one was like, uh, fuck, I don't remember. But anyway, all the other actors were New York, uh, uh, Americans, possibly New Yorkers. And I was like, it's clearly Patrick Stewart, right? Like, why would he be from Brooklyn? That makes no sense. But then I'm like, but why, why, why would they asking it? Why are they asking it? Why are they asking it? And so, like, Lisa started talking to me, but I'm, like, like paying a lot of attention to this question. And there's a timer that's counting <laughs> down. And I want to make sure I don't look away when, when that happens, because I want to know what's going on. 
So it's like, are you paying attention? And like, I'm trying. Yes, yes, I'm. Yes, what, whatever you're talking about, I don't know what it is, but I, I'm attending to it somehow. Um, yeah, and the answer, the right answer is yeah, it's fucking Patrick Stewart. He's not a board in Brooklyn. Why would you think that he was a board in Brooklyn? And I felt so stupid for <laughs> having paid more attention to the question than even the people who made this question. Like, <laughs> just to confirm it for yourself. <laughs> just to confirm that. That some crazy shit didn't happen. That he was like born in Brooklyn, then went back to Britain, and then came back. Well, I think that just says that, like, if you wrote that question, you would have made it tricky. Trickier, yeah. Yeah, trickier. Yeah. So everyone, we have some facts. He's not born in Brooklyn. <laughs> Probably born in like Rhodesia. Sure, or South Africa, or <laughs> wherever. Big Zim- game hunting. Zimbabwe. Places. Zimbabwe. He feels like he would be a big game hunter. Yeah. Oh, yeah? He's from a different era. He could yeah. have been born in space, too. Like, there's a lot of mystery. He hasn't aged in 20 years. <laughs> Not born in Brooklyn, but lives in Brooklyn. Come on. That's that's true of a lot of people. And he kind of always plays the same... Lives in Brooklyn. <laughs> he kind of plays always the same character. Because, like, in uh, the X-Men, it's, it's Captain Picard. He's just in a wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. He's 74. Uh, he was born in um, uh, Mirfield, West Ridding of Yorkshire, England, UK. Whatever that means. Um, it's a place. He got married last year, 2013. That's his third wife. How old is this wife? This wife is... I don't know. She doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Oh. Um, he has been knighted. In 1993, TV Guide named him the best dramatic actor of the 1980s. He sang in The Last Colbert. Uh, he was part of the singing crew. Oh, one of my favorite moments. Have you seen that, Adam? Colbert's final episode? I have not. I might make you watch it right after we're done here. I've never actually watched the Colbert Report. Oh, wow. Yeah, I missed it. Rapport. Whatever. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> and now it's over, dude. Now it's over. And you it has nine for a long, long time. You had nine years <laughs> to rectify your mistake. Well, it was funny because I was telling Emily, because we were listening to something on NPR about him not doing the show anymore, and I was like, it's funny, I never watched it, but I always was very glad that he did it. Mm-hmm. Like... As long as he's got my back, like he's got my back, yeah. like he's doing that show, he's saying the things that need to be said, he's Whatever making fun are. of people the way they should be. I don't that's need to watch to, it. Yeah, that's true. It. it just happens to be one of my favorite shows of all time. Is that why you're so informed on politics? Not, not like the, the and way. He's as informed as like a freshman in college. <laughs> also, everyone's favorite show. No, well, I. I think there's two different camps, right? I think there's there's the John Stewart camp, which is sort of an older, maybe looking for sort of less of an edge, uh, and they you know they jumped on that bandwagon first, and then Colbert I feel like is a more distilled, harder, high wire act that takes you know sort of uh, cynicism and all that and like flips it on his head, and um, we talked a little bit of this last night, like watching the show you. Were, it's not just that he's doing satire, but he's doing satire on a scale that like feels like um, a real amazing balancing act. Yeah. That even if I don't really enjoy the bit or like care about the opinion about this thing, just to see it get done feels. It's like you know, 
if a cooking show, but the cook was like blindfolded or something, you know, how are they going to pull this off? So They're not. My um, my sister is a lawyer, and she uh, has rep- represented Viacom, and um, he, because he has a show on Comedy Central, he was brought in as a witness, and uh, she did meet him and had to do some cross-reference, and he couldn't, like, his character wasn't able to, to, everyone wanted his character to have a part in it, but he's like, but that's not, like, who's suing, but they're like, but you're, it was this very strange legal thing that his character is owned by Viacom, so he had to be the Colbert for, for, in order to make this one, whatever was, it was very complicated and kind of exciting. Because he couldn't be himself. He had to be the character, which oh. is what's on the show. Oh, really? In order to... Are you just making this up? No, Seems I'm pretty just getting made it. up. I'm just huh. not completely sure what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm sensing It's that. not made up. It's just confused. Okay. Well, let's, let's end some of the confusion by telling you what this app is all about. Um, we find it at Holy Plus. It, it's not on Netflix, unfortunately. It's called The Neutral Zone. And it's episode 25, season 1, 1998, uh, May 16th, as Erica said. While traveling to a meeting with hostile Romulans, the crew discovers a ship containing three frozen Americans. Very exciting. From the 20th century. Very exciting. I'm from the 20th century. (laughs) There's three people from the 20th century in this room. Or the 21st century. Well, oh. Put it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, any predictions? Um, any sort of uh, setting the table for us when we come back? Um, somehow they're going to thaw out these fucking Americans mm-hmm. and with their uh, zany ideas of American exceptionalism Ooh. and uh, pride in what is correct and right, they are going to learn something and figure out how to work better with the Romulans. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point because uh, Star Trek isn't about American exceptionalism. It's about internationalism, and it's like it's like a pro UN kind of show, um, which contrasts greatly with the the mood of the country at the time and Reagan and conservatism. Um, it's got a very international, diverse cast. Um, it's got a Brit at the helm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm into that. I, I, I buy into your predictions. Um, Erica, do you have any? I think when they freeze, unfreeze them, there's going to be a lot of facial hair. Do you think William Shatner will be in this episode? No. No. They would, he was only in the movie. They would have written that all over this. It would have been someone's wet dream to have that happen, so I don't think this is the one. But do you think they'll reference the original show in this show? Oh, yeah, definitely. Do you think these characters will be from that show? Like from that time period, you know, like... 1950s or 60s? Not, not literally, like, from that... Okay, um, let's pause, and when we come back, we will talk to you uh, if, if Adam was right or not. Uh, talk to you soon.
bum, bum, bum. You want to turn it up? It's going to go to commercials or something. A good call. Okay, so we are back. We just finished the neutral zone. Uh, so the first season finale, The Next Generation, season one. Um, yeah, let's. I think we all know what Star Trek's all about, so why don't we get into the plot? And by the way, that sound is poor old Deshi in the other room. Um, it's not a verdict on the episode, it's just what she does. All right, Erica, what, what happened? Or what didn't happen? Uh, in this episode, they found some frozen people from the 20th century and Data, the captain was away, so Data went down to pick them up. Data is the android and he was with wait, wait, Lieutenant... He's, he's not an android. He's a cyborg. He's okay. an android because he has no human parts. Yeah, he doesn't an become a, they said a he was cyborg an android on the show. until the movie. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And he, him and uh, Lieutenant Worf, who is a Klingon, uh, went down there and they found the three and they rescued them. He's not a Klingon. Oh, he has a Klingon. Yes. My goodness. Were Sorry. you watching the show? <laughs> no, I stopped paying attention. Sorry. And they brought him up and then the captain came back and he was a little bit stressed out because <laughs> like they're about to meet the Ramalans. It's a big deal. <laughs> Ramalans? What? Are, what, are, what is <laughs> Ramalans. <laughs> Ramalans. It's a big deal. They didn't. They didn't want any extra cargo, especially from the twentieth century. Asking all these questions, and so, and they did. The main plot was the three getting to coming back to life, dealing with it. There's one man from the south who just wouldn't have a good time. He was my favorite. A, a good old, far. a good old boy. A good old boy. It's like yeah. a, some sort of musician in yeah. the past life. Yeah, there was a woman who didn't even know she was put under, which is kind of funny. Her uh, husband did it, I guess, because he didn't want her to die. So, so when so she woke up 300 years later... The circumstances of the cryogenic freezing are important, which is that they've all been frozen af like right after their death, hoping that in the future, uh, some future uh, technology will allow them to be not only healed, but also brought back from... You know, mo just moments right after death. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're set into space to keep them from. Like, Electricity might black out. Like and black out, and they thaw. Earth. But like, but some of these capsules in space had failed, so there was like two or three dead people. Mm. Their machines had failed, but I found that interesting. Just like a little thing, like when Data and Worf show up, it's like. Like the temperature's fine, there's air, yeah. And like, so so that part's kind of confusing because you're like, well, if you're in the middle of space and it's cold out there, like, you'd stay frozen. You'd think. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine that being shut up into space is going to be more reliable than like a spaceship surviving and keeping, you know, three people alive for three hundred years. Well, it worked. <laughs> that's, that is a quote from the show because the storyline happens mm -hmm. yeah that's true can't argue with that logic the third the third uh, human from the 20th century yes. is a Yankee uh, banker <laughs> financiers financiers his career and he's he wants to know what's going on he 
you know, he goes, he goes, he takes himself to the, to the bridge. He so he represents the greed and um, he, so I think one of the theses of the show is that humans have been able to progress to space exploration because. They took care of world hunger. They became a collective. They looked at the future. And um, there's sort of a culture clash because these people from the 20th century, especially the financier, expects to be um, reconnected with his wealth, with his lawyers and all that. And the people in the 24th century keep having to be like, hey, buddy, we don't care about that kind of stuff anymore. Everything, no one's worried about money anymore. Which is like probably the most fantastical part yes. of the entire show yeah. yes is like that attitude yeah like everyone's socialist in the future well it's, that's not even the problem is like you know like so in the future is like they don't want to watch TV because they don't have any TVs <laughs> so like, they don't want to drink so alcohol so, they don't so, want to so, drink alcohol yeah everyone is disappointed by the 21st century which is kind of a funny statement. Well, everyone 20, from the yeah. 20th century is not impressed with 24th. Right. The financier can't get his money. The poor woman can't find his fam- uh, find her family. The good old boy has no partying he can do because they don't party but, anymore. But he's, the good old boy seems to come out of the best because he's like, yeah, whatever. Well, because that's his attitude. That's his attitude. Life, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of well, it's kind of interesting that it was so they have three people and so basically they're like. There are three things that we want to explore the idea of living in the future. One's like, what happens to your family? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Another's like, well, what would happen to your money? Mm-hmm. Being rich. And then the other one is like... Can you still be the same character? Can you right. have the same type of joy Yeah. of finding a party? Even if you're on a spaceship where no one drinks and you're asking the android data... I liked how the good old boy had a shine to Data and like wanted to like hang out with him a lot. <laughs> well, because he, he makes things available to him, like a guitar mm-hmm. and a martini. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one. That's the one storyline. What's the other storyline, Adam? The other storyline is prob- maybe even more boring, if it's possible. <laughs> this is it's, this episode is interesting. Cause it's it very like, slow. It's like very slow and and then ended. And then it ended, and you're like, but. You just got started. Um, the other one is they are going out to the neutral zone because after 50-something years, the Romulans are back and and there are all these like outposts that are missing. They've been wiped out. Wiped out. And they get out there and they're like, they're just gone. Like, no trace of them. And then they meet the Romulans. The Romulans are like, yeah, our side too. They're like, okay, let's work together. Mm-hmm. But not too much. And we'll so work together. The, the, I'd stop paying attention at that point. Did the Romulans refuse to work together? With no, the, they, they, they used the word collaboration. Yeah, they agreed to work together on figuring out what threat was out there. But they're also like, watch out for us because but, yeah, they say we're yeah, back. Right, but we're back. We're here. And, you know, don't think you can push in on us. And then the music started. That's why it was confusing because they finally had the conversation with them and then it's the end of the episode. And then it's the end. end of the episode. Like, yeah. And that's the finale. Basically, yeah. Wait. That was the finale. And like basically nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Adam thought the Borg would be introduced at that point, which would make a finale. Which, well, I think, which is interesting because like somebody is clearly looking at the show from a, a long perspective, which mm-hmm. is like, I mean, they're setting up all next season. Like the end of this season is setting, setting up, up next yeah. season. Because like, 
but they could give you but they could give you something but no but that is a theme in star trek movies and shows if you're familiar with them they they, don't do finales they set up the following ones a serial yeah but i mean everyone does that that's nothing new about that but they give you a little bit more no, I think if, the, if they'd ended with into, just the Romulan spaceship coming into view, that I would have been a which place to was pause. a beautiful ship. <laughs> Look it like looked a like a turtle. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, and I could see everyone back then watching this for the first time, just like peeing themselves a little bit because <laughs> like it was really cool and it, like un. What is this called? Reappeared. Yeah, there's just like cloaking devices. And yeah. Removed. And they were dressed like Kanye West on the spaceship. Uh, very. Okay, this very is for, this, for, they were the fashion forward. <laughs> that was the most ridiculous. They. What do they look like? No, the way they talked, though. The way they talked was like very like clip and. It was like if someone took the two old guys from the Muppets and like made them like super weird. That's what it looked like. They were just like side by side, just sitting there looking. Um, and that's what. And it was probably weird because. Okay, so we, we've. This is our second science fiction show that we reviewed. Red Dwarf mm-hmm. was the first, which had this weird quality, this isolating kind of sadness to it in mm-hmm, the sound. Mm-hmm. And this was no different. Like, something about the production of this, even though it is a Star Trek, and like the Star Trek from the 60s had more, like, flair and flavor. This one was very. Uh, the sound was just a little. It was sad, I'd say. The hmm. acting in the when they were talking to them is like this is what weirdos would be saying if they had makeup on. Like it was oh, yeah. a very disconnected. Um, I wasn't connecting with the with the with the acting with the like, acting and how they were talking. Yes. Yeah. Because what I didn't connect with was what keep drawing me out of the whole thing is the. Uh, I just can't get over the fact that, like, okay, in the future, they're like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do here now that I'm in the future? And and Picard, like, kind of gets that look on his face of, like, well, you have to just, you know, build yourself up and, you know, like, enrich your life, enrich yourself, like, be be a better person is, like, the answer, mm-hmm. which is, like, the shittiest answer ever because <laughs> you're, like... You mean that motherfucking red shirt wants to be a red shirt? I mean, the guy working, cleaning mm. the bathroom wants to fucking clean that bathroom? No, no. Oh, I think his answer would be, those tasks don't have to be done. There are no unworthy tasks. So bathrooms will not clean themselves because we have stopped fighting wars so we can invent technology that takes care of that. So only tasks that so are left. So what were everyone doing there? They're like, living, I guess. Just traveling around? Yeah, spreading peace and knowledge. Yeah, it's a very. Do you think it's a happy place though? Well, I feel like it's a very. Yeah. Stark, place. Well, I think in this particular episode, because they're under stress of the Romulans, maybe they're not able to enjoy themselves if they, because uh, this is the you know this is basically the potentially the beginning of the start of the next galactic war. Right. So Picard may not be in the mood to really be like, hey, let me show you all the great things we're up to. Uh, he's just like fucking figure it out. I don't have to deal with you right now. I also feel like the, like the excuse of like how come there's no lock on this computer thing that I'm talking to you on, and he's like, oh, because in the future we all have the wherewithal to not. Yeah, our ethics yeah. are better. Yeah, like we 
Yeah, that's we can hold back and not do the. And you're like, no, but at the same time, in in the beginning, in our intro before we watched this show, we all kind of said that Data is the guy that we all connect with, Mm -hmm. and Data is supposed to be making a, like a, a full mockery of this. I'm an android. I'm not a human, and so that's what we connect with, like him becoming human. Mm -hmm. But everyone else is so because everyone else isn't even trying they're all just like oh no we are we're beyond that we're above that that. we're better than that yeah so data's more interesting to us because he's trying to understand why yeah yeah and and you know the idea that that human nature is ultimately uh manageable or or uh improvable is a very like complicated idea like you know like, like that's something the communists believed and they like set up all these like pseudo scientific yeah, ways to you know the guys in charge humanity. are wearing red but what, the so? they're wearing red but the other oh, funny, that's the security guys right? the other funny no, thing Picard. is like oh yeah executive branch. but Picard is like all annoyed that Data went over there and brought them back because it's distracting from his mission. And I, but I get, I get that, but like, so like, <laughs> there's this high-mindedness, but then Picard's annoyed that Data went over there and brought them back. And, and then like, there was that one thing where he said they were already dead. Mm-hmm. And what's, what more could have happened to them? Mm-hmm. Like, this very dismissive attitude of like, they were dead, dude. Like, why'd you fuck this up and bring them onto our ship and make them our problem? When it's yeah. like, and then everything else that said it in the episode is like, well, life is about seeking and exploring and enriching yourself, which is like, yeah. well, that's except, what Except not right doing. now. Yeah, right. Except, you know, like, not me right now. Like the thing you keep yeah. talking about, you aren't even willing to do. Do, do what I say, yeah. not what I do. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but you know, to, to the show's credit, maybe the show is ambivalent about that. Maybe the show is, uh, because it's a, you know, a reboot of the original one, maybe... It is a little bit standing back from that perspective and evaluating it, uh, but but then again, I don't think their viewpoint is ever fully trumped uh, in the future on the show. I don't think that Picard is ever shown to be a shallow, distracted guy. No, or, never. Not very. No, like it's very. Like the like the one time he does lose his shit, it's in the one where they are fighting the Borg, and like he breaks a thing and like there's a chick with him and she's like oh Captain Ahab breaking his thing and like, this, that's you why know, you like, remember it yeah this <laughs> thing <laughs> 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 uh, but I thought something I found funny was like they kept on calling it cryonics and I've always heard it called like cryogenics they call it cryonics they called it cryonics and I wondered if cryogenics is copyrighted no oh. no well, but it was just a funny really? word that they kept saying, like the cryonics. Is it really well, they also like mispronounced financier, right? Yes. Oh, it could <laughs> to make that. a point of like we don't even understand this, so we're not going to pronounce it correctly. For the funny homemaker. Yeah, they're like, "What's a homemaker?" We think it has to do with. It must be something to do with construction. construction. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. So they may have. I didn't notice that, but they may have been doing that to a point. Yeah. Just stress a point. I also it it did beat down the American exceptionalism. Like mm-hmm. the every American that they thought out was if they weren't helpless then they were on some level despicable mm-hmm. or not uh, an ideal. Because you mean the all the twentieth century people are clearly Americans. Yeah, they it mm-hmm. says they were all three Americans. Yeah. 
Yeah. Which I yeah. think has to do more with the 1980s mentality. Like, if this was an episode in the original Star Trek in the 60s, they would have a different yeah. three people. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point, because uh, ultimately the show is arguing with its own time period, and, yeah, they're arguing with 80s sort of um, self-absorbed uh, materialistic age, and they create this sort of fantasy sci-fi show to push back against it, I guess looking at it from 2014, it seems a little bit pushing a little too hard without examining themselves and their perspective and, and how sort of uh, empty it is and how sort of uh, it's not warm hearted or. But I think they are showing that with Data being the most hu- yeah, humane he person and he's not a human. Exactly. So he can't be the uh, 24th century perspective on things because. He's clearly just an outsider to all of it all. Um, but I guess, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, he is the emotional heart of the show because he represents sort of the timeless watcher's perspective, right? Like, you can watch uh, Star Trek in 2014, 2020, you know, 1988, um, and all of it's going to seem alien every time you watch it, unless you watch it right when it came out. Um, so we are all in, you know, data in the sense that we want to be the human, you know, we're trying to figure out what, who are these humans. And, and I think that's the spin tech. that they offered with this segment, because the first one was a huge success. I love those shows. I've seen all of them many times. Yeah. The movies are amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like the, yeah. the fourth one with the whale. It's, it's pretty good. It's a great <laughs> fucking movie. And then, uh, and then even the new reboot. With J.J. Abrams has done... They're pretty good. Who plays Data in the reboot? No, it's not. It's the original cast. The original cast. So Data isn't created yet. It's uh, Captain Kirk. But um, what I... Did it, <laughs> the, the technology gags never get old. Like, they're not good. <laughs> they're kind of stupid. But, like, I'm always like, yeah. Like, when Worf walks into the door, because, like, oh, the yeah. time capsule is so old that they don't have automatic doors yet. Yeah, that was... And then Data's like, wait, funny. I think I can do this handle. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like those stupid little... Well, well Worf is ready to, like, use his <laughs> use gun like a, to make a like hole in it. And Data's like, no, there's a handle. No, no, <laughs> no, let me try this. Yeah. So those are fun. and That's pretty good. And uh, the counselor, what's her Dana? Uh, Troy. Dana Troy. My friend's dad had the hugest crush on her. She's super hot. She's like Spanish, maybe. She's a psychologist. Has had, cleavage. Has like yeah, a, a, a playing card of her <laughs> stuck up in the basement over by his workbench. Like that was like the only, like, where he waxed off. I don't. I don't know. I. I Doctor and she also like had a lot of makeup on. No one else had as much makeup as no, she did. No, but she yeah, had, like, he loved her. Guys. And like <laughs> Latin culture hasn't changed in the last three hundred years. But I, that's another part that I, I loved is like Picard is like the big strong man. And he's like counselor. I've got a problem. Come over here and walk me through this Romulan thing because mm-hmm. you know. And she's like gives him advice. Feel it. Feel it out for me. You know, and like he. You know, it's like. They're definitely playing with like these, making him a much more sensitive. Yeah, and he is sensitive. So he was getting yelled at, and he noticed he was getting yelled at by the um, financier, and he noticed that the the woman was crying from the twentieth century, and he asked what was wrong with her, and he called Troy to Mm -hmm. come and talk to her, and she was crying because 
everyone she knows is dead. Like a very natural reaction, how you would react to mm-hmm. being woken up after being uh, frozen for 300 years. But he wasn't listening to him. He saw the woman crying, went over there right. instead of listening to the threats or whatever that was. Well, it's uh, he, way more human than humane than MacGyver. Oh yeah. Who is very robotic. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I'll ask you this: uh, this utopian idea that they keep batting around like mm-hmm. if you rebooted it would you keep that oh yeah that's a good question yeah I think I think that's such a great fun I mean what's cool about Star Trek is they're clearly on one side of the argument they're not yes. like playing back and forth they're like clearly like the future requires and someone who you know grew up reading science fiction there was always this socialist dream of sci-fi which is that we can only do the amazing things that space demands that we do by dropping our petty nonsense. It's sort of like global warming. We can only deal with this problem if we really do evolve as a, as a collective group of people that want to approach a large problem. But, you know, there's other perspectives on, you know, space exploration, too, that are anti, you know, Star Trek, which is um, Star Wars, for example. An empire in decay, uh, you know, different planets doing their own thing. Uh, most of it just impoverished, you know, like the, uh, the Star Wars perspective, which is that you know almost every uh, space colonial guy is like living in you know <laughs> and <laughs> month to month, you know, like Luke Skywalker's parents, you know, like if the harvest fails, we're fucked. Yeah, what you know? were they harvesting out there? Fucking sand, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking desert. Yeah. Get out the evaporator out on the north wing and back to Epigas. Exactly. You're evaporating shit out here for. God, <laughs> it's fucking desert. <laughs> maybe should yeah, maybe need a condenser instead. I got so mad when JJ Abrams did Star Trek and I was okay with that, but then also did Star Wars. I'm like, no, 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 you're getting it confused because when growing up I'd say Star Trek, Star Wars, like could not distinguish them because of the names are so similar. Mm-hmm. So that this guy like took on both projects in this year I'm like you're just trying to confuse me more now yes. now you're just putting them together or in maybe place. it's the paycheck I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just trying to confuse you I mean yeah but, but, but the thing was like Star Wars is is a quicker pace and yeah. it's funner well and, it, because it doesn't it's, it's not Star so, Trek has always it's the hero's quest which is yeah. different than it's a much, it's much more Star simpler Trek has always been a bit more slow yeah no, but Star Trek is asking more philosophical questions or Star Wars is just sort of giving you uh, they're basically taking you know, American Wild West kind of mm-hmm. stuff and applying it to space. Do Where you Star Trek think is we trying... will ever travel in space like they do in Star Trek? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't. But Why not? I don't think we'll make it. Why won't we? We'll, we'll just extinguish? I, I think... The, um, what will... Something will wipe out humanity? I don't think anything will wipe it out, but I think we stand a good chance of, like, hobbling ourselves and so that we don't, like, get... You know, we don't get further than we are. Well, you know, there, there's that great uh, argument about uh, time travel, is that we know time travel will never exist because no one from the future has visited us. That's yet. the dumbest fucking reasoning. Why is that so dumb? Because, because if I'm traveling from the fucking future, I'm not going to let you know I'm here. Right? <laughs> 
Like, isn't that one of the jobs? Isn't We've all seen Back to the Future. <laughs> but isn't, despite their best efforts, might not that fail? I wrote uh, Well, how do we make these movies and these stories, where do they come from if it's not from maybe someone incepting <laughs> us with something along the way? Come on. Wow. Open up a bit. Stargate. Stargate uh, 2014 over here. Yes. Um, so, uh, I want to ref- you probably are going to ask, what would we do with this? It's been done many times. Star Trek's been rebooted. I this morning just happened to rewatch Black Mirror, which is a science fiction show mm-hmm. that's really, really good. And the first season theme deals with uh, anti media and anti uh, media intake, like television. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they were making a similar joke like, you don't watch TV, you don't drink, what are you doing? Like, why are they making these jokes about shows that, uh, like while we're watching the TV, right? Yeah. Why yeah. are you? Why are you making why us you feel making, bad? Why are you making yeah. fun of me? Yeah. yeah. Which is sort of an interesting thing that Star Trek constantly does, right? Like they're living in the '80s and the height of what they, you know, what Gene Roddenberry think it feels like is like a terrible time. Liberalism is dead, and they're trying to resurrect it. Yeah, you know, it's like the guy on the TV who talks about it being the boom tube, and it's like, dude, you're on TV though. Um, it's a love hate. Love hate, but but you know, ultimately Star Trek is wrong, right? Like the, that perspective, because it's so idealized, cannot possibly be a real vision for the future. Right, and because they sit around with that chessboard, but no one's playing it. I mean, like <laughs> you're never, you don't see them engaged. They do play it in one episode, right? But you never see them engaged in. Like in this episode, yeah, you don't see them engaged in any sort of activity that humans like to do. Yeah, even being it, sitting at a cafe and having a cup of coffee. Like, where's the Starbucks on the goddamn Enterprise? Like, that's a you know that's a part of life. But they're beyond that. But how how do you get beyond enjoying a conversation? And why should we enjoy you being beyond us? Like you know, like right. why should we enjoy a show where? You're beyond yeah. sitting and having a no, cup but that, of coffee. But, that, that, but that's also what's cool about it. There is a show that's like deeply unsatisfied with the way people are. That's cool. It's a it's a right. show Do that's unhappy like, with it and wants go more. Go into their rooms and hug themselves and smile and go to sleep and like. No, but <laughs> it's like oh, it's great. No, but uh, you Fucking know, future. It's it's yeah, that is cool. It's it's a, it's a show that says you know what, right now isn't good enough, everyone. Like, if you want this, like, if you want space exploration and you want world hunger to be solved and for us to be able to explore this amazing galaxy, uh, you got to get your shit together. That's kind of cool. You know, the, oh, here's a way. Oh, this is my idea. Here's how I would update it. I would take that logic and apply it to uh, global warming. I would create a fantasy show about what the world look like after it's solved That's been global done. warming. No, no, after it's solved global warming. Oh. In a positive way, in a and positive say that like way. no one's gonna watch that. It's such no a fuck one up. Cares. You love Star Trek, so people will clearly watch it. Okay. You use it as a way to critique the way people are now, and you say, "Oh, you you tell the story from then of how it got there, but you're able to tell the story about how uh, so many things hold us back. You know, there's all these arguments that hold back real problem solving. Like everyone feels like they're poor." 
you know, even the richest country in the world is like, oh, we couldn't possibly deal with world hunger because, you know, where's all the money going to come from? You're like, well, it doesn't take that much money to do this. Right. And they're like, well, but uh, it's just impossible. Or like, oh, normalizing relations with Cuba. Constantly, people that think they know a lot about politics will tell you, no, no, it's never going to happen. Uh, the Cubans in Florida will fucking destroy everything. Uh, it's a, it's an impossibility. No, it just takes some. Week. It just takes some hard work. It just takes some imagination week. and hard work, right. and it can happen. You know, it'd be cool to do a show like Star Trek from about a, another problem that exists now, and say, um, what perspective would it take to be on the other side of this problem? I like that. Okay. Yes, very good. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> would you? What would you do, Adam? Um, you clearly wouldn't do this. I don't. I, I mean, I, I love it. You know, it's yeah. like Star Trek. It's one of the best. It's one. Of the, it's, it's a favorite, and, yeah. and I, I like the innocence of how they approach it. Like, oh, silly people. Yeah. But um, I, I, I like the reboots because I think they're a lot more edgier with the movies. Yeah. And I and I think that's how I would handle it you bring up global warming and and like space explorations like these huge tasks that you would need to get everyone on the same page to do yeah I don't it'd be interest. I don't know I don't think it's it's gonna happen I don't think it's gonna work out for us <laughs> so it's like hard for me to like imagine like a, a world where it will so like, yeah no, totally. so, that, so like this is like that extra like side of it to me is like a, a bit more of a joke where I'm like oh guys we're never yeah. gonna not get off this planet but you know that there there's a there's a precedent or a really fun precedent you know like um, I may be stretching us a little bit but you know at one point the British Empire decided to stop the the global slave trade and very you know in a very sort of idealistic way the British Navy was used to intercept boats that were transporting slaves all across the world and it ended the slave trade and you can almost imagine Star Trek is like based on that like an idealistic global empire mm. uh, at one point decides to do the right thing and does it and does a, does, a, does the moral right in a way that like no one would expect and it, it happens you know so I wonder if uh, I'm not so hopeless I think yeah, huge I things that. do get accomplished when you say it that way it does give me a little bit of hope it's like yeah somebody could like great, China man could like grab grab the world by the balls and like really go to town on some climate shit and like yeah. lead the way. Yeah, I don't know if they will, but they could. And they've got they got that the, meeting in in Paris. They got the people. They got the power. So yeah, and then you know we got this cool pope now. You know anything's possible. <laughs> oh, why does everyone love a pope, dude? He's a, cool. A pope? I know, but you're not a Catholic. I'm not a Catholic. You're not a Catholic. No, no. I went to Catholic college. It oh. doesn't matter if I'm Catholic. He's one of the biggest leaders. A pope that's willing to say, who am I to judge? That's an amazing yeah. thing. Like, think about that. Like, you could have a pope sticker that says, who am I to judge? According to your rules, you are the only person. You, sir. You <laughs> are the only one. one to judge. And he's like, you know what? I can't judge anybody. Like, he's like, how am I supposed to hate gay people? Like, how am I supposed to hate them? Like, I don't know. No, no, no. I, like, it, uh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a, a very nice person. <laughs> and it, it's very sweet, what he's, a lot of the stuff he's doing. But. Yeah. As, uh, what is it? As Martin Luther King says, the moral arc of the universe, you know, bends. So I think I think that, like, a lot of uh, Star Trek is based on on that. On the premise. new Pope's teaching? <laughs> no, on the, on the moral arc of the universe kind of idea. Okay. That, that uh, humans do want to be better. 
They do. I, uh, and succeed. That's why, yeah. Ethics exist because of that. And you study it. <laughs> like, you shouldn't you have study to study it. I have to study it. I've studied it twice now. Fucking ate Ethics? It. Yeah. In all of my schooling. And you wouldn't study it if you didn't have to figure out that maybe there's a better place to go from there. Yeah. It should it, just be innate. But, but I think I think people people confuse two things. They confuse personal morality with global morality. And I think that's the problem. People say, well, if if that asshole can't ever stop speeding in the highway, how's he ever gonna like care about an issue like child poverty? You know, and they, they say, Oh well, I constantly see these like failings of people on the subway, on the street, at my work, and we're never gonna get to that. No, I think those two issues are completely disconnected and you can t- be a totally terrible person and still work on getting something amazing done which is why I'm pretty hopeful that we'll have space travel we don't have to be like unlike Star Trek how many people would you murder to have space travel? Tribble Tribble Trouble with tribbles space travel how many people would you murder I'm gonna let Adam take that one <laughs> Oh, I, just, I don't care. Like, I, don't know, I don't care. Like, I, don't, I don't really have the need for us to get off this planet. You don't? I, well, what, well, what kills me is like it, the numbers are so big. And so like, you start listening to like, Stephen Hawking, and he's just like, it'll take a ship of generations to get you wherever. And you're like, oh, well, fuck it then. It's not worth it. Like, it's so far away. Yeah, but I mean, it's we're going to take so modest steps. We're going to take modest steps now. I mean, getting humans to Mars is the one in our, that we'd like I, to see in our lifetime. I just, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. No, it is. I, oh, I think it. I think it is. It is really? a good chance. You're going to live for another 40 years. So oh, God, cool. really? Oh. I think you can nail this You're going to live for another 60 years. I think you can nail it down in 20 years. Yeah. But I, I love that, that program, <laughs> that, sh- that reality show they were going to do. Where they were yeah, going to yeah. set that colony, and yeah. they're like, no, you're mm-hmm. all going to die. Oh, I know. Yeah, and Lance Bangs from... Uh, in sync was one of them. Was he one of them? <laughs> but the, that's such a weird thing. Is like that the the show's premise is like, well, why do we need to colonize Mars? Like, there's it's no an re- obsession. It's a romantic no, obsession. There's no reason to do it yeah. now. Yeah. We don't have. We could figure it out here first. We got to figure it out no, here. No, we don't no, have no, the, no, But we don't have the equipment to get it done now. No, that's not true. In a life sustaining way. He, he, the, 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 the permanent colony there, there's a couple of problems I feel like with your logic one of this is that just because you want to work on one problem doesn't mean you don't want to work it's, on other problems that's not you can I'm, do both that's not what Se- I'm saying secondly the other thing is it the biggest goal for getting people to Mars is longer range space flight and, and uh, susceptibility and getting them to even live there, even if it's unsustainable for six months, is going to be a big step forward because Dude, it allows us I, to start doing relays. I am fine with that. Yeah. That is what we should. I'm talking about the program to like set up a colony, one way ticket colony there. Yeah. Which we're not there yet. We have because we haven't done like yeah. what you were these saying. Are, these are all the parts six of six month these, thing. These, these are all parts these, of the same right. project. Yeah. But people are thinking of different parts along the, the, the problem pipeline. What's the podcast project on the on Mars right now? Who's thinking about that? <laughs> What's that? The podcast part project. 
Oh, who's, who's podcasting from Mars? <laughs> First podcast from Mars. It's going to be, what's his name? The guy that did the moon. Um, uh, David Bowie's son? Yeah, no. The Yeah, who's the actor in that? Oh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Sam I Rockwell. will listen to that <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we all dream of Sam Rockwell. Okay, on that note, we are going to end. Adam needs to go. Erica needs to go. I need to let this you out of uh, the crate. Out of purgatory. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's our last show for the year. See you in 2015. Hope you, you know, get what you want and, you know, kiss the person you want to kiss and piss off the family. Don't want people want to kiss people on the Yeah, people love kissing people. Yeah. That's the thing. Yuck. You're supposed to kiss. Yuck. At midnight. (laughs) But a book I can recommend that I found on the street while walking over here. Ships, Ship of the Line. (laughs) That's a nice cover. A Nathan Hornblower? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seals Forrester. I'm going to read it this break. So. Okay. Don't forget the book club book. I will not forget the book club book. All right. Adios, everyone. See you in 2015. Ciao. Ciao.